0: This is the Olive Wellness Podcast, brought to you by the Olive Wellness Institute. Welcome to this special episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. The world is reeling from a coronavirus pandemic. Not a day goes by without an increase in the numbers of people diagnosed with COVID 19, which is overwhelming health services and threatening the frail and elderly. From his home in Cambridge, England, physician Dr. Simon Poole is in the midst of strict measures enforced by the British government. Author of The Olive Oil Diet, Simon's an internationally acclaimed authority on the science and application of the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. He's also a member of the advisory panel of the Olive Wellness Institute. He says now is a particularly important time to look after oneself by eating well, staying fit and maintaining mental health as many communities around the world adapt to social distancing and isolation. In this special episode of Olive Wellness Podcast, Dr. Simon Paul's talking to Chris Ashmore.
1: Obviously, there's a real interest in the link between diet, nutrition and health. And on the advisory board, we have physicians, we have researchers, we have people who are involved in frontline medicine like myself, We have researchers who are researching in the same universities where they're developing vaccinations for the pandemic. And we have a colleague at Harvard School of Public Health very involved in the public health messaging around controlling the pandemic. So at the Olive Wellness Institute, we're actually very involved in the current, very unfortunate events that are happening all the way around the world. And so it did seem appropriate to take time out from our normal schedule just to talk a little bit about the virus, and also to express the very best wishes of the Olive Wellness Institute to all the people who listen to the podcasts, to everybody who visits the website, and to just say to keep safe and to take government advice and to look after yourselves through this really, really challenging time. Here on the front line in the UK, it's pretty difficult here. We are in the early stages of the pandemic hitting us. We are probably about to see a tsunami of cases in the next few weeks. And things are quite difficult already in London. I have many colleagues and we at the Olive Wellness Institute have many colleagues in Spain and Italy, of course, which have been particularly hard hit. So I've been in communication with medical friends, doctor friends working on the front line there who've had a very, very difficult time. But also actually with people involved in nutrition, with olive oil producers and people in the industry as well talking about how their communities are coming together to try to combat this appalling pandemic.
2: Well, Simon, what kind of uh, restrictions is the community in the UK being restricted to, to halt the spread of the virus?
1: So, of course, it's a very fast moving picture and some restrictions have only just been introduced and there may be more by the time this podcast comes out. But as it stands, the advice is to very much keep a distance at least two meters from others apart from household members, to restrict ones going out unless people have an essential job, to try and go shopping as infrequently as possible and just to stock up on what is absolutely necessary and not to panic buy, and to keep social distance, essentially. And for those who think they might have the illness, to seek medical advice and to self-isolate. So it's all about... Containing. It's all about reducing the spread at the moment in the UK. Different countries have put in restrictions to different degrees. In the UK, people who regard their jobs as being essential and unable to be doing those from home remotely are still able to be going to work. At the moment, the police are interviewing people and asking people the reasons for being out, but it's not as strict or stringent as the current level of lockdown in other countries in Europe, for example, in Spain and Greece, where really the streets are extraordinarily quiet. And you can see pictures of Venice that are unimaginable, for example, with absolutely nobody on the street. But it's a fast moving picture. And I would urge anybody in a country that has not yet got such restrictions, but has got the early community spread of COVID-19 to be thinking about these kind of things earlier rather than later. And so keeping social distances and certainly self-isolating if you've got any symptoms and listening to government advice. And of course, we do know that the best thing that we can do at the moment whilst we wait for vaccinations and whilst we wait for other treatments to come through, the best thing we can do is social distancing, reducing the spread and regularly washing hands regularly applying alcohol if you've got it to the hands and the alcohol gel hand washes and just to keep our environment as clean and try to reduce spread that way Mm. well
2: you mentioned that you've been working on the front line as a physician what's been your experience
1: my experience here in cambridge is that we are operating really in the calm before the storm we've had a few cases it's undoubtedly spreading in the community at the moment And there are certainly cases in the local Cambridge University Hospital, people who are very unwell. In London, they are about a week ahead, we think, of the rest of the country. And in London, things are getting really very difficult with intensive care beds filling up and with the government now having announced that one of our major conference centres is going to be turned into a 4,000 bed hospital effectively to look after people so they're trying to kit that up and equip that and prepare that for those kind of anticipated numbers and on the front line we will increasingly be dealing with patients who can't be admitted to hospital for different reasons or who have been admitted to hospital and who are in the recovery phase and that again we will be facing challenges in that area as well so it's tense it's difficult it's challenging But the community here with the NHS is pulling together very much and all wanting to very much minimise the lethal damage that this virus can do.
2: Well, it's early days, of course, but has the UK been able to stem the numbers of infections? Is it getting better or is it likely to get worse?
1: It's going to get worse before it gets better. We are currently in the phase of the curve where we're seeing increasing cases and we're seeing people being admitted to hospital, and we're seeing deaths, and we're seeing very ill people. And it is about trying to flatten the curve so that our NHS can cope with the numbers. And that's one of the strategies of our chief medical officer, which is just to slow the spread, partly so that we are not overwhelmed in a matter of a few weeks, that actually the rate at which people develop the illness and become unwell is slowed, so that we can actually physically manage those patients in the community, and also those patients who need to be admitted for high dependency care.
2: Well, social distancing and self-isolation, of course, is important to stem the numbers of infections. But what do you think? How have communities been able to adapt to the self-isolation?
1: So at the moment, communities are adapting. And there are some people who sadly are not taking the advice. And there are reports of people unnecessarily gathering together in groups and not obeying the instructions and it's possible that if that continues the government will have to take more stringent measures and enforce powers in a more proactive way But the schools are off, and so we're hearing stories of people looking after themselves and looking after others. So there are people in the community who have identified others who are vulnerable, who will reach out to them and offer to do necessary shopping or to just be there on the end of the phone for people who are perhaps self-isolating in a state of loneliness and so on. And on a positive note, I suppose, because it's important to try to look for positive things, there are activities that can be done, of course, at home. If you've wanted to listen to all of the OWI podcasts all in one go, then that certainly could be an activity that was well worth doing to actually understand when all this is over, we can improve our diets and our lifestyles. Also, with the children at home, I think parents are being encouraged to engage in In cooking with children and learning some of the skills around fresh food preparation and perhaps learning and understanding a little bit more about a healthy diet in our otherwise very pressed and busy world, it's a time perhaps to let go of some of the processed foods and use some of the natural ingredients and get back to cooking and helping families cook together and eat together, as long as obviously none of them are self-isolating. So there are some potential benefits in terms of what people can do in self-isolation or in social distancing at home with families.
2: Absolutely. It seems that the most vulnerable people having severe symptoms, and it's certainly a lot of the cases resulting in death, tend to be the elderly or those already with poor health. So perhaps a, a timely reminder that looking after yourself is paramount.
1: Yes. As I said at the beginning, many of us in the Olive Wellness Institute are physicians operating on the front line and really interested in lifestyle medicine. And the Olive Wellness Institute really stands for the link between diet and lifestyle. And as you said, we know that the disease disproportionately strikes the vulnerable and people with chronic diseases, people with high blood pressure, people with heart disease and other chronic conditions. Not exclusively, so we are beginning to see some young, otherwise fit-and-well people having very severe cases of the disease. But to a large extent, it's that population with chronic diseases. And of course, chronic diseases are very inherently linked to lifestyle. And so it's important, although perhaps somebody with a chronic disease at the moment can't necessarily reverse that. It's really important for people to focus on lifestyle and diet, to try, I think, to be in the best position, the most resourceful position to push this virus back. And so we would be advocating at this time to have some reasonable and gentle exercise, to also have a really high quality, healthy diet, which might confer just a little bit of protection against the illness. We, in fact, know that diabetes is also a risk factor. And the very early stages of diabetes can be reversed over a period of weeks through lifestyle measures, through adopting different dietary patterns. And there's some advice on the Olive Wellness Institute about olive oil and the Mediterranean diet in diabetes. So, if we can all make an effort to improve our health by eating healthily, then perhaps some of those factors that are gathering together when people are made more vulnerable by having chronic diseases, perhaps we are able in some way to, as I say, counter the virus. Though I would not in any way say that diet and lifestyle can prevent it. Of course, that would not be true. But it's about trying to place ourselves in the most healthy position to resist the onslaught of the disease.
2: Absolutely. And What are the practicalities, though, of preparing and cooking food at home? Has the shutdown meant it's been more difficult to source healthy green food and extra virgin
1: olive oil? So there's a mixed picture, really. There are some foods and some supplies in supermarkets which have run out at times. Rather bizarrely, I think in Australia and the UK, toilet paper is one thing that seems to be in great demand, which I I think is quite an extraordinary thing, but we probably shouldn't go there about trying to figure out why that is the case. But there are some foods which are in short supply. At the moment, I don't think there's any particular short supply of extra virgin olive oil, although I think in Spain and Italy, there are some pressures on oil there. Um, With regards to fresh fruit and vegetables, the supermarkets are actually doing an extraordinary job here. And in fact, I very much commend all those people who are working on the front line in supermarkets because, in fact, of course, they are getting daily exposure to customers who might be carrying the virus but are really working extraordinarily hard to restock shelves and to allow people to go out for their weekly shop in order to be able to get supplies. It's quite interesting. One potentially positive result is that people have been maybe shopping locally more. And so the idea of a local, sustainable food supply, which is so inherent to the Mediterranean diet, can potentially be applied because people are shopping and and looking to their farmers who perhaps have got some sales coming off their farm. People are looking to buy and source vegetables more locally. The other interesting thing is that food delivery is increasing. And in fact, uh, one of my sons works in a cycle courier company in Vienna, and they've found they've got a real pressure on delivering organic food boxes that business seems to have taken off so there are some interesting changes I think in the way people are trying to access their produce but it's a question I think of the food chains continuing to supply food into the supermarkets and then perhaps us all concentrating on as I say trying to get as healthy and as sustainable diets as we can.
2: Indeed well Simon we hear a lot of different information on the internet and in the news and in the media are there any specific foods or is there any anything about diet that can help combat COVID-19?
1: Well, I think that's a really good question. I mean, as I say, I think that in order to be in the best position to resist the virus, we need to keep as healthy as possible. And as I've said, that involves having a healthy diet and getting a little bit of gentle exercise to do so. We do, on the other hand, as you say, on the internet, see some potential magical cures for COVID-19, including, for example, consuming perhaps an awful lot of garlic or something like that. Mm. And we must be really careful, I think, in this area, because I think the noise creates confusion and distracts people from the really important fundamental ways in which we can fight the virus, which are about... Social distance, isolating yourself if you have it, washing your hands, and the kind of messages that governments are getting out. I mean, I would say that some of the claims might be based on some evidence that it's certainly true that plants have excellent ways of protecting themselves from the ravages of the environment. So they protect themselves from oxidation and UV light. So the olive tree in the fruit of the olive produces antioxidants and anti-inflammatories in its skin in particular to protect itself from oxidation, oxidative stress, compounds including compounds called polyphenols. And some of these polyphenols, have antimicrobial, antiviral, and antibacterial properties in them to again help the plant, resisting diseases that might hit it. Of course, You can do some experiments in a test tube and you can perhaps see that some of these polyphenols have some activity against for example i think nut skins have been shown to have some activity in a test tube against the influenza virus but it's very very difficult to extrapolate that to human health and really we shouldn't i think be taken down a path of imagining that if we had lots of garlic capsules or lots of turmeric or even lots of extra virgin olive oil that we would be protected from the virus But that said, if we know that there are some antibacterial and antiviral antimicrobial properties within plant products, let's all have a really healthy plant-based diet to potentially put ourselves in the position where we are best facing this illness.
2: I suppose to end on a personal note, Simon,
1: how have you and your close ones been coping? Well, I've been coping by going to work because actually that's where I need to be at the moment and where I feel I want to be. Looking after patients, delivering what the NHS can deliver, supporting colleagues in the health service and really encouraging my family to just focus on what's important. And whilst my family are at home to read and try and do all those things that they've been perhaps wishing to do for a long time but not have the time. For me personally, as I say, it's a question of just really getting out there and supporting my colleagues as part of this teamwork that we all need to see over the next few weeks to combat this deadly disease and to push back.
0: Dr Simon Poole. And that ends this special episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. To learn more about the nutrition, health and wellness benefits of olives and olive products, please visit the Olive Wellness Institute website at olivewellnessinstitute.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.